Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply. Start clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... Hey, listen. Remember how you told me to toss those takeout containers before we left for vacation? And you were like, I'm serious. If that leaks over the counter, it'll be a slimy abomination by the time I get back. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Don't worry about it. I won't forget. (laughs) Well... Ooh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. Rinse after use if in contact with food surface. Through 25 seasons, 4,561 episodes, I believe The Oprah Winfrey Show was one of the greatest classrooms in the world. I really never thought of it that way. The aha moments, the breakthroughs, the LOLs, the connections, the occasional ugly cry. I miss him so terribly. I miss it every single minute. The moments that mattered. The eye-opening life lessons. Never allow them to take you somewhere else. I'm bringing them back. It's time to open the vault. I've personally chosen these classic episodes to share with you again. Every single person you ever will meet shares that common desire. They want to know, do you see me? Do you hear me? Does what I say mean anything to you? You are listening to The Oprah Winfrey Show, the podcast. Over the years, I've interviewed close to 28,000 people from all over the world uh, and all walks of life. There's nothing better than a fascinating conversation, and I've had my share of good talk. Today, we're looking back at some of the most memorable... Our inboxes were flooded with emails after our next guest sat in the chair next to me. He was a beloved evangelical preacher, father of five, and then came the gay sex scandal. America was riveted by the tale of Ted Haggard, the evangelical preacher who was the founder of the New Life Church and a spiritual leader to over 30 million people. Mike Jones, a former male escort, alleged that Haggard paid him cash for sex and crystal meth. Haggard admitted to sexual immorality and buying drugs. He was prohibited from preaching and exiled from his church and the state of Colorado. Moving with his family from one temporary home to the next, Ted had trouble finding work. At one point, he even sold insurance door to door. In January, Ted and his wife, Gail, agreed to share their story with me for their first television interview after this scandal broke. Do you think you're gay? No, I don't think I'm gay. I did wonder about that. After this crisis, when I went to therapy, I said, I need to know, am I gay? Am I straight? Am I bi? What am I? And my first therapist said, you are a heterosexual with homosexual attachments. So we processed through that. I wasn't sure what that meant. Then we went through a, an... Nor am I. Yeah. <laughs> nor is the exactly. audience. Nor is, yeah. and certainly exactly. nor are the gay people watching well, right now. Yes. Well, yeah, it, it, and it is. I, I do believe I don't fit into the normal boxes. I do think there are complexities mm-hmm. 
associated with some people's sexuality. I don't know about other I, people. I would agree with you. I'm just a guy. Okay. And so I'm an insurance So, But salesman. do you allow yourself then to have the sexual thoughts about men? I do men. have sexual thoughts. About men? Yes. And you allow yourself to have but that? But they're not compulsive anymore. Would you say you're completely heterosexual? No. And would you say you're gay? No. You're... I would say I'm a heterosexual with issues. <laughs> Tired of fighting your kids to make their bed? Say hello to Betty's. The unique design lets your kids make their bed with just a zip. Our patented bedding includes everything you need, a fitted sheet, top sheet, and comforter in one seamless piece that zips together. Kids love the feeling of accomplishment when they can make their bed by themselves every day. Make your mornings easier and visit Betty's.com. That's B-E-D-D-Y-S dot com. Start clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... Hey, listen. Remember how you told me to toss those takeout containers before we left for vacation? And you were like, I'm serious. If that leaks over the counter, it'll be a slimy abomination by the time I get back. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Don't worry about it. I won't forget. <laughs> well. Ooh, yeah. That happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. Rinse after use if in contact with food surface. I thought that was pretty honest. Uh, some of you did not. We got a mixed reaction after that show. Some people thought that Ted Haggard was still lying. Others of you say that he's in denial. And Barbara from Sarasota said this. This was one of my favorite emails. She wrote, I think Ted was open, honest, and delightful. This is one of the problems I see with the Christian faith. They insist on being perfect. Perfection is not possible. And the problem is not that Mr. Haggard lied, but he lived in an environment that insisted on his lying. I thought that was very thoughtful of Barbara of Sarasota. So Ted and his wife, Gail, are back via Skype from their home in Colorado. What do you think when you hear that from Barbara of Sarasota, Ted? Yeah, I think he's got an element of truth there. Sometimes in religious environments, there's pressure to perform. And I particularly had pressure as the pastor of the church and I wanted to be faithful at representing uh, wonderful people of faith, but I was flawed. And so I think she had a point there, and, but I think the fault is my own, not theirs. But now, of course, I'm thrilled to be able to speak openly and really be me. Okay. So what is it like to have your evangelical preacher husband um, confess to being with a male escort well, I think that was as big a shock as I could have received. I can't think of anything that would have been a greater shock to me. And literally, I felt as though the rug had been pulled out from under me. So Pastor Ted Haggard was one of the most powerful evangelical leaders in our country until a sex scandal literally took him down. So I spoke to Ted and his wife, Gail. It was his first television interview since the scandal had broken. Gail, let me just say, did you re realize the tulips behind you matched your top? <laughs> your producer commented on that. Oh, okay, good. <laughs> I, I just yeah. can't get over it, how the tulips are exactly the same color as your top. But anyway, <laughs> moving on. Are you all, are you, uh, are you happy that you, maybe happy is not the word, relieved? Do you feel that some of the pressure's off after having told that story? Oh, yeah. Our, our marriage is better than it's been in 30 years. Our family's closer than it's ever been. 
our relationship with our friends are better than they've ever been. And the relationship with religious leaders is better than it's ever been because we're so honest and transparent. And since we were on your show, Oprah, we had 2.8 million people come to my website Wow! Uh, after the broadcast, many of them church leaders inviting us to come and share about how to strengthen your marriage on your worst day. And so it's been a wonderful process since then of, of helping people deal with their own complexities. Wow. Well, you would know yes. something about how to do that, Gail, how to strengthen your marriage on your worst day, because that was pretty much uh, a pretty bad day for you that day these re revelations came out, correct? Oh, absolutely. And I am just grateful that we have gone through what we've gone through and we are where we are today. I think whenever you have honesty, you have the mm. opportunity for greater intimacy, and that's been our process. So, so are you all settled into a home now because yeah. you're moving around from place to place? Have you are now settled into a home? Were you well-received back in the community? What happened? We were very, very warmly received. We're back in our family home in Colorado Springs, and everywhere we go, whether it's Walmart, Kmart, McDonald's, the airport, wherever we are, people are so warm, so friendly, and so grateful. Of those emails we received after your last broadcast, 96% of them were positive and helpful. I mean, they did everything from offering jobs yeah. to <laughs> wanting us to speak, to wanting us to write, to all types of things, because people were so relieved at the honesty that I refused to be in a box, that Gail made such wise decisions in response, and Christy and Marcus and the other children did the same. And so our life was totally transformed with the therapy session that you gave us, Oprah. <laughs> Glad to do it. Put out my signal yeah. anytime. But let me ask, what was the response from, because as I moved through the world, the people who were most resistant, I found, to you being here, were gay people and, and even gay friends of mine who wanted you to definitively say you were gay or saying it's impossible yeah. you either one or the other. What was your response from the gay community? Of the 4% negative response we got, a portion of that was from gay people that resented the fact that I was being true to myself in that I stayed with my wife, I stayed with my family, all those types of things. Yeah. And I'm not saying that my story is reflective of the story of other homosexual people because my process is maybe different than others. But we're very satisfied with where we are. We feel like it's very honest mm -hmm. and it's true to who we are. You use the word and homosexual right there. You use the word homosexual. So yeah. do you mean, are you, are you now, you said my path may not be the same as other homosexual people. Were you calling Yeah, those? I don't. I am not a homosexual, nor am, I don't think because of my process, I've had the norm, uh, regular experience of a heterosexual. I think I've got a unique story just like most people do. Yeah. But it, interestingly enough, some percentage of the 4% was also strong Christian people saying, you need to just be straight and be a 100% heterosexual and just be what God made you to be. And so there was negative response from both sides mm. wanting me to fit in their box. I think you guys should write a book actually in explaining how you then balance that. Because when you were here the last time, I asked you if you still had 
thoughts or uh, about men, and you candidly said that you did. So how do you reconcile that? Have you made yeah, a decision? And that's, yeah. you know, that's diminished a lot. I am going through such a dramatic process. I don't have near the thoughts now that I had then. Yeah, so can I ask you this? Do you think that having the preference for men makes you wrong? Do you still feel that you felt the way you felt growing up on the farm? Do you feel that that makes you a bad person or, or, or wrong no. in God's eyes? No, I don't. I think, I think Jesus came for all of us and mankind, I think all of humanity is messed up. We all need God to help us in our lives, no matter where we start. And God wants to improve us. So I don't think he was ever against me. I don't think he's against homosexuals or heterosexuals or, or people that are in wherever they are in their process. I think God is for people and he wants all of us to be improving all the time. And so he's for us. Well, you know, Gail, many of our viewers wrote in saying you're in denial. And, you know, really, your life is your business. So you want to say anything about that? Sure, I do. <laughs> I don't know why uh, Ted having these struggles negates the fact that most of the time he's attracted to me. <laughs> and that shouldn't undo the fact that he had those struggles shouldn't undo the fact that we've had 30 years of a relationship that's been growing and con is continuing to grow. And we value our relationship. We value our family. We value our physical relationships. I think that what we have to accept and what needs to be brought into the dialogue is the fact that we are sexual beings. And there is a spectrum of expressions of our sexuality. Okay. And so we do have some degree of choice as to what we do with the impulses that we feel. So are you able to support your family now, Ted? We're not fully there. We're still living some off of the equity of the house more than ever. Of course, we're speaking and we're, we're interviewing publishers right now. We're gonna be writing soon. And, and so there's bright light at the end of the tunnel now. We're very pleased. Our life is very different than it was when we were with you before. Well, the truth will set you free, will it not? Yes, it Indeed. will. Yeah. And, and, and Oprah, let me emphasize, when we left your show the last time, we really felt as though we had been through one of the finest experiences talking with you and the public about this. It was authentically healing for us. Oh, thank you for saying so. I wish you okay. the best. Thank you. Thank you, Ted and Gail. Love the color, Gail. <laughs> Is there such a thing as a traveler, not a Delta? Because we know on one flight, Mike N8C prefers reality TV to reality. So we provide more than 1,000 hours of in-flight entertainment. While on the flight after, 8C is occupied by Jen, whose favorite snack is tea. That's why we provide fast, free Delta Sync Wi-Fi available for SkyMiles members. Because at Delta, we know. Refill? Everyone flies their own way. Delta. Keep climbing. Free Wi-Fi available on most domestic flights. Terms of use apply. Start clean with Clorox, because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... Hey, listen. Remember how you told me to toss those takeout containers before we left for vacation? And you were like, I'm serious. If that leaks over the counter, it'll be a slimy abomination by the time I get back. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Don't worry about it. I won't forget. <laughs> well. Ooh, yeah. That happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. Rinse after use if in contact with food surface.
So this was, um, this was a headline that gripped the nation, broke our hearts, just broke our hearts. The South Carolina mother who did the unthinkable. It was a horrifying story that started with a seemingly heartfelt plea. But it wasn't long before the nation learned the truth about Susan Smith. Her confession was shocking. Susan admitted to pushing her car into a lake with her two babies strapped inside. Susan was sentenced to life in prison, her estranged husband, David, to a life of heartache. I spoke to David after the fifth anniversary of Michael and Alex's death. It was an emotional interview. So when you go to visit their grave, which I hear you do that often, you say what to them that you want to share? Sometimes I just go to talk to them about maybe a problem that I'm having or something that's bothering me. Mm -hmm. And then sometimes I just go because I want to say, I miss you. Mm -hmm. Ooh, that's hard. OK. I was trying to get through this, really. Me too. A few years later, David told us he'd been given a second chance at fatherhood. I wasn't expecting to be a father again, but I think God knew that I had so much love to give another child. When she was born, I took her in my arms. I was crying. I looked at her, and I said, Savannah, I promise you, right here, right now, that I won't be afraid to love you because of what happened to Michael and Alex. Wow. Well, it's been almost 15 years, y'all. Can you believe it's been that long since Susan Smith drowned her two little boys in Union, South Carolina? Today, Michael would be 17 years old, and Alex would be 15. David Smith is joining us from South Carolina. David, how you doing? I'm doing very well these days, thank you. I'm glad to hear you're doing well. It's still so sad to, to see that. I know you, you live with it in your heart every day, and so for us just to be able to look at the video and to, you know, relive that pain, it is uh, pretty devastating. But you, you moved on. You were able to move forward with your life. Yes, it's been a very long road, though. I mean, it's been very tough, some severe depression, mm -hmm. a lot of suicidal thoughts, but I'm still here. I'm still making it every day. Still making it every day. Have you spoken to Susan Smith over these no, years? No, I have not. Never have not? No. Do you, do you want to speak to her, David? Sometimes I do. I mean, part of me wants to, you know, maybe ask Susan or just tell her what she's done to me, how much pain and suffering that she's put me through. And part of me wants to just ask her again why she did it. But to me, that would only give her satisfaction of that maybe she still crosses my mind and I don't want to give her that satisfaction. Yeah. But I do want her to know that, you know, you've al you almost killed me, but look who's still standing. Wow. Look who's still here. Good for you. <laughs> Let's talk about your being a father again. Savannah's how old now? Savannah's eight, and I have a son, Nicholas, who is six. Who is six years old. And was having a boy hard? It was a little bit of a emotional 
you know, trial to deal with, but it didn't take long. Didn't take long. Does it remind you of uh, the other boys, Alex and Michael? Yes. Um, Savannah, she's real soft-hearted, real tender-hearted. She gets her feelings hurt very easily, same as Michael. Whereas Nicholas, you know, he's very rambunctious. He's very active. You know, you, you scold Nicholas and he just looks at you and he's a lot like Alex. Alex was that same way too. Wow. And so um, when you were here the last time, you were talking about how when Savannah was born, you, you looked in her eyes and promised her you wouldn't be afraid to love because of what had, what had happened to you. Have you been able to keep that promise? Oh, absolutely. I'm probably more protective than maybe most parents are of their children. And I try not to be, but I'm sure I am. But it's, you know, I don't want to take for granted any time I can spend with them now because I know how quickly that can change. Yeah. So, but would you say you parent differently now because of what happened? You know, I do more stuff like getting on the floor and playing with them or going outside and playing with them than maybe I did with Michael and Alex. Do Nicholas and Savannah know about Michael and Alex? They know some. I mean, they know that, you know, there were two little boys that, you know, their daddy loved and they were, that they were children of mine. And they know that they're in heaven. And, you know, through the years, each, each one has asked different questions about, you know, Michael and Alex. And I always give them just enough at that time to satisfy the questions that they're asking. I don't go into more details than I have to. Mm -hmm. But at some point you will tell them the whole story? Yes, as they get older, I'm sure I'll have to eventually tell them the whole story. And I don't know how I'll do that yet, but I'll, I'll figure it out. Yeah. Do you still visit the graves, Michael and Alex, you still? Oh, yes, I go quite regularly. Um, maybe once a week, once every two weeks. Sometimes it'll be, you know, one o'clock in the afternoon, Oprah, or I have found myself out there at three o'clock in the morning in the rain. It's just whenever it hits me, that's when, that's when I go. Well, you know, when I just said that uh, Michael would be 17 and Alex would be 15, the audience sort of gasped because everybody's realizing how old they're getting. Uh, <laughs> and I wonder, do you think of them as teenage boys when you visit their graves? Do you think of them as teenage boys or do you still think of them as the little boys they were? whom you last hugged? Sometimes I try to picture them at different ages through the years of what they would be doing, but most of the time it, it always just comes back to three and 14 months old. That's the way I remember them. That's the way I always see them in my mind. Mm -hmm. Well, I wish you the very best with your new family. Thank you so much, David. I'm glad you're continuing to move forward in your life and that, you know, if Susan Smith is watching, she sees you're still here. Very much so. Thank you so Thank much. You. Well, our next memorable interview was with a married male college professor who decided to become a woman. Jim told his wife, Dee Dee, that he had to have a sex change or he would die. So Jim became Jenny. And get this, they stayed married. I spoke to Jenny and Dee Dee a few years ago. The passage that struck me more than any other in uh, Jenny's powerful memoir, which is called She's Not There, 
was a description of the last time the two of you made love together. And in it, you say, Dee Dee was curled onto me, but her head was resting on a female breast. I felt something liquid on my ribs. I leaned forward to see the tears flowing quietly from her face and rolling down my body. I said, it's okay. She didn't say anything for a long time. It's just, she said at last, each time we make love now, I'm afraid it's going to be the last time. So was that the last time you were intimate? Or are you still intimate? Can I ask that question? You can ask. Um, no, we are not mm -hmm. still intimate. Because you're not a lesbian. Now, the question I think is whether or not then you are still interested in women. Yeah, or were I, you I, now I say, as a woman? I'm, I have to say I'm curious about men now, but I'm, uh, to be honest, I'm not looking because I'm so grateful for what I have. And I'll tell you what, this family's been through enough. So I'm, I'm you know, I'm not looking. Why did you need a vagina? And I'm not saying that in a, in a joking way. So yeah. what, what, why did it have to be a vagina? Well, because, because that's what women have. And my... But why couldn't you have done, why couldn't you have done, you, you, you could have looked exactly like this and I wouldn't have known if you had one or not. That's true. Why couldn't you have done that? Well, would, would you be okay if you had a penis, Oprah? <laughs> I mean, that's, that's, that's what you're asking me. You're, 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 you're that, I mean, I can you know. honestly say that in 20, <laughs> 20, however many years I've been on TV, no one has ever asked yeah. me that question. <laughs> Still haven't. Okay, so. It's one of those things, you know, in all the years, and that, I mean, I think uh, Jenny is one of the more interesting. That book was a fascinating book. It's the one thing I'm trying to really understand. So really, in that moment that, that uh, she asked me that question, I was trying to imagine myself with a penis. <laughs> and could I be okay with that? But anyway, after that interview, I received this touching letter from Jenny and Dee Dee's oldest son, Zach. They have children. Sometimes it's true that I wish I had a regular father, but only because I don't really remember what it was like to have a normal family. Sometimes it's hard to have a family that is different, but most of the time, I think I'm the luckiest kid on earth. I know people from lots of different kinds of families but no matter how different they are, they really are all just people. My goal is that someday everybody will be treated with love. So Zach was just 13 when he wrote that beautiful letter. He is 15 now and joining us via Skype with his brother Sean and their parents, Jenny and Dee Dee. So Zach, how are you? I'm good. Oh, you're good. So it had to be, Difficult this whole transition. Hi, hi, Dee Dee, Jenny. Hi, everybody. Hi. Okay, and Sean. It had to be difficult this this transition. At 15 now, you've you've been with it for a while. Cause how long, how long has this been? Uh, it was. A, it's been about 10 years now. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Uh, the transition wasn't really hard for me because I was five at the time. I can hardly remember it. I sort of remember Maddie before. She was a woman. Maddie, Maddie, he calls, he calls Jenny Maddie. 
tell us why you call Jenny Maddie. Well, there was a time when we realized that, that Daddy wasn't appropriate for the situation anymore. So uh, I came up with uh, a combination of Mommy and Daddy, and I got Maddie. Maddie for Mommy and Daddy. Okay, so when you introduce to your friend, you say, this is Maddie. My... Yeah. When they ask, uh, who is Maddie, they, I say, my, mo my mom uh, used to be my dad. Okay, so Ginny and Dee Dee, though, I hear you recently celebrated your 20th wedding anniversary, true? True. Absolutely. We've married for 20 years. Married for 20 years. There's dead silence in the studio. <laughs> I know, and, and so, because everybody wants to know, how's things? <laughs> well, I think things, I think things are great. Um, you know, I, I wrote She's Not There, it seems like a long time ago now, but I wrote it very um, early after the, after the transition. And I think now the dust has settled in our lives and we are largely familiar to each other once again. And I have to be honest, I think most of the time we don't think about the fact that there's anything that unusual about us. Uh -huh, uh -huh. As a family, I think we're yeah. a pretty familiar group of people, except yeah. for the fact that we, we all get along really well and we love each other. Um, I think if there's anything unusual about us, maybe it's, maybe it's that. Okay, so do you think that you get along uh, unusually well compared to how you would if, in, in uh, how other families are? Well, I don't, I mean, I don't judge other families, but I. It may be that this has made us stronger. It may mean that we, we all had to kind of pause and think about the meaning of family. For us, it's a group of people who care about each other and who love each other very much. Yeah, yeah. And we, I mean, we don't sit around talking about sex change every Ever. day. Never. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, most of, the, most of the time, we, our, our lives focus on uh, homework and uh, who's got to practice the French horn and, and playing the violin. and the rather normal things that families do. I think that really the most important thing is that we all consider ourselves really lucky that we're in a family that loves each other, we're in a family that enjoys being together, we're in a family, we all really like our lives. But Dee Dee, wasn't there a part, because I recall having this conversation, isn't there a part of you that has to give up the dream of what you had imagined? Isn't that part, isn't there a grieving period and a giving up what you thought your life was going to be? Yes and no. I mean, I think that's true for all of us as we get older, that, you know, isn't our middle age about recognizing what, where we're going to get to and where we're not going to get to and deciding whether or not you want to change the path that you're on. And there was a grieving and there was a loss of my relationship with my husband. And I, I don't have that anymore. But what I do have is a terrific family. Um, what I do have is a great partner, and our relationship is based on shared values, shared beliefs, shared responsibilities for the family. You know, if we had stayed together just for the children, yeah. um, I would be miserable and the kids would be miserable. But you make decisions about what you want to do with your life because of who you want to be with and what you want to do together. All right. Well, wonderful to have you all talk with us. Thank you so much, Boylan family. Thank you. On March 22, 2006, Mary Winkler shot and killed her pastor husband, Matthew. According to Mary, this is what happened. 
Just after 6 a.m., Matthew was awakened by the cries of his one-year-old daughter, Brianna. Furious, he kicked Mary out of bed, and they went to tend to their child. Shortly after, Matthew returned to their bedroom. Mary followed and was soon holding a 12-gauge shotgun. Well, Mary couldn't really explain what happened next, but her preacher husband was dead, and she pulled the trigger. Mary was found guilty of voluntary manslaughter. She served five months in jail and two months in a mental health facility. I spoke to her shortly after her release. Here's what she says led to the murder. In court, you were asked to identify um, this, this, like, white platform shoes and a wig. And you said that he made you put on those things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. In court, you also said you felt that you were sexually abused. Mm -hmm. How so? At some point, when there's one person saying no, not to do something, then the other person has just pushed themselves on that person and made them do that. So he would force you to do what? Just sexual acts that I didn't want to do. Mm -hmm. I think in court you said watch pornography, mm -hmm. which you didn't want to do, oral and anal sex, which you thought were unnatural acts, correct? And when he would force you to do it and you didn't want to do it, would you tell him? Would you mm -hmm. say to him, I don't want to do it? When we were not in the heat of the moment and he would say, what'd you think about this or that? And I would say, no, don't, don't like that. Um, let's not. And he'd say, okay. But he just would get going and that was just it. Do you still think of Matthew? Oh, yes. Mm -hmm. I just, I do love him. I think of the good times, the dreams, that's my girl's daddy. I love Matthew. It was very bad, but it could be very good. Do you want your children back? Oh, yes. Why do you think you should have your children back? I'm their mother. You killed their father. I did not want any of this to happen. After that show, we heard from a lot of you at home. You had a lot to say about Mary Winkler. As an abused woman, I can feel Mary's anguish. If I had taken a weapon in my hands, during my abuse, I might have ended up just like Mary. A year and a half ago, my beautiful sister was killed by her ex-husband, leaving two young sons motherless. I am extremely sympathetic. However, Mary Winkler had no right to kill her husband. By killing her husband and the father of her children, she has caused unbearable pain for everyone in her life, especially her own children. That interview with Mary Winkler just about made me sick to my stomach. I will pray that she doesn't get her kids. She made a choice that day, and she needs to live with the fallout from that choice. Well, a year after my interview with Mary, she was awarded custody of her three daughters. They now all live in Tennessee, where Mary works in a dry cleaners. When we first met Jeff, he weighed over 600 pounds. His highest weight was once close to 800 pounds. I could eat like three or four sausage and biscuits, four or five eggs, grits, just whatever. Do, do people ever stare? Oh, all the time. People gonna stare, I, I realize that. And I'll get a second look, as I like to say. Yeah, it, it hurts your feelings, because you you know, you want everybody to, uh, to like you and not make fun of you. And, but uh, once everybody gets to know me, they see that I'm just an ordinary fellow. Determined to lose weight, Jeff gets to the gym five days a week, no matter what. I'm very motivated. 
I've seen how much I lost so far and just what it's going to be like at the end of the rainbow. He is an inspiration to many people. And I get up in the morning and think, I'm not going. But then I think, if he can do it, I can do it. I'm just turning 40, so I've still got a lot of years left. I just want to get back into society. I know I'm going to do it this time. Jeff Skyping in from the Wellness Center in Tupelo, Mississippi. I hear you lost more weight. How much? About 100. About 100 pounds. <laughs> what is the main thing you're doing differently now that you hadn't done before? Uh, do the weights and uh, ride my bike about uh, 40 minutes. Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays. And then I do my workout in the water. I do put in about a mile, then I teach my water aerobics class. You're now teaching the water aerobics class? Yes. I got a, a power class. It's strictly for people that's uh, geared to 100 pounds overweight. That's fantastic. So when was the last time you weighed under 500 pounds? Uh, it was in 1989. Mm -hmm. I was 21-year-old. So you're headed there again? Yeah, I'm going to make it this year. Do you have a goal in mind? Well, I want my total goal, I want to be around 270. Wow. That'll make me losing about 500 pounds. And so how long do you think it's going to take you before you get there? I don't know. I wish it was yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> I understand. Well, I know Mississippians still love fried food, so yeah. what you doing about all that? What kind of food plan are you on? Well, uh, uh, I try to keep it lean and green. Lean meat and green vegetables, and uh, try to stay away from the fried foods. Well, Bake and grill. Well, you know, I think it's so great that you now are leading the aerobics class. And, you know, it, it, you know even since I saw you the last time, you seem to have even a greater sense of purpose in your life. Is that true? Yes. Yeah, I can do so much things just for this year that I couldn't last year. Like put my own socks on, tie my own shoes. Used to, I'd have to wear non-lace-up shoes. Now I can lace my own shoes up. That's fantastic. Thank you so much, Jeff. Thank you so much. Thank Keep up with the good work. One of my favorite stories. This, this mom, I think, will change the way you look at the world. She taught us all the virtue of courage. She's one of my favorite, favorite, favorite guests this season. Monica George was a healthy mom excited to give birth to her second child. But three days after little Sophia was born, her body was attacked by a vicious flesh-eating bacteria. Doctors had to amputate Monica's arms and legs to save her life. When they told me they were doing it, I said, okay, you know, do it. Just get it done so I can do what I need to do so I can go home. For the last year and a half, against all odds, Monica has raised her two children without use of her arms or legs. When she was here, she told me what gave her the courage to make it through. I knew that I was going home to a loving husband and two wonderful girls. I did have moments of, if God just left me one, just one arm or one leg, life would be a little bit easier, mm -hmm. but that's not the way it went. Mm -hmm. So you make do with what you have, and I could still... Love my girls. Love that. Well, after that show, we've heard from so many of you 
who were inspired by Monica. I love this from Jamie. A mother from Colorado wrote, thank you for reminding me to have gratitude for what I have instead of sorrow for what I don't. Today, I'm going to face my messy house and tons of errands with a smile on my face. That's what Monica did for all of us. Monica's in the hospital again, everybody, recovering from her 38th surgery. And her husband tells us that the procedure went well and that she will improve her quality of life as a result of this last surgery. Well, I have one of the best jobs in the world and want to, again, just acknowledge and say thanks to all of my 28,000 guests over the years. I've learned so much. Goodbye, everybody. Thank you. I'm Oprah Winfrey, and you've been listening to The Oprah Winfrey Show, the podcast. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join me next week for another Oprah Show, the podcast. And I thank you for listening. At Delta, we know Mike and 8C prefers reality TV to reality. So we provide more than 1,000 hours of in-flight entertainment. On the next flight, 8C is Mandy, a foodie. So we offer all types of food options. Because at Delta, everyone flies their own way. Delta, keep climbing. Start clean with Clorox. Because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... Hey, listen, remember how you told me to toss those takeout containers before we left for vacation? And you were like, I'm serious. If that leaks over the counter, it'll be a slimy abomination by the time I get back. And I was like, yeah, 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 of course. Don't worry about it. I won't forget. <laughs> well. Ooh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. Rinse after use if in contact with food surface.